You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So the plan today, and there are a few questions and things, obviously, because it's uh, we haven't done so in, I don't know, probably about eight seconds. We have to talk about OBJ and, and possibly getting another wide receiver, Allen Robinson, et cetera, et cetera. Um, again, I... I want to say it won't take very long, but every time I say that, it takes forever. But it really shouldn't take very long. Um, But outside of that, what I really want to focus on today is some other games from week one. And the the biggest reason, and I I know it's, you know, this is a Packers podcast, why are you talking about other games and teams? Well, because there's two components to the Packers winning a Super Bowl. Number one is the Packers being really good, but number two is being better than everybody else. So you got to know kind of the landscape. And there's some interesting talking points points that are out there because we just assume we know right we know the good teams we know the bad teams because we saw them last year except every year there's some crazy stuff that happens right the 49ers last year were never expected to be that good i'm sure there are some people who are calling their shot or whatever but i think they won four games two years ago they were garbage basically in for shanahan's entire tenure that they had been bad since uh what's the guy's name that's over at michigan now harbaugh since harbaugh left they've been just pure trash and suddenly they're just dominant well you know we'll see um there's a lot of other teams that you know you got to wonder which who are the rising stars i had my picks some of those seem to be wrong and some of those we've got coming up on the schedule so that's why in my opinion it's important that we kind of pay attention it is just week one as i said but as i also said that doesn't mean it's useless information it is pretty interesting stuff especially some of these that i thought were going to be really good teams which has happened the last two years in a row the last two years although I don't think that's the case this year but um the Packers the last two years were seen as having the hardest schedule of anybody I know for sure last year they have the hardest schedule it's going to be crazy 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 except teams like Dallas were garbage unexpectedly teams like the Eagles were garbage unexpectedly a lot of teams that we were going up against that were expected to be really good just weren't that good so it kind of parted the sea for us which seems to be happening again this year as some of these teams that I was really scared of are having some big question marks and then you see Daniil Hunter getting hurt then you see the Lions corners getting hurt and then you see Michael Thomas is out for several weeks it's like, I don't know I mean look I've made the the case that God is a Packers fan in the past and you know I mean I'm just saying it's 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 hard to call this stuff a coincidence the other side of it as I said on Twitter it's possible that there's a Packer fan out there somewhere who has sold his soul for a Packers Super Bowl um, if you're listening and you have the opportunity, please call it off. You're, you're causing, I, 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 now I'm starting to wonder if, if all of 2020 is because of what you've done, right? There's no fans in the stands. Like this is all part of the plan. You've done a horrible thing. Please go find the devil and call it off. It's not worth it, man. People getting hurt. If Pat Mahomes gets hit by a bus, I'm, I'm, you and I are going to have some words. That's all I'm saying. You are in 
big trouble. But anyways, I do apologize for this episode getting out kind of late. I just, I didn't even hear the alarms, man. I woke up feeling like I got hit by a bus. It felt similar to waking up when I was in college, basically every day, except I don't do that stuff anymore. I'm a good boy. I'm just old now, apparently. It's not even my birthday yet, and I feel like I just aged, and now I'm like 45. It's 6.30 in the morning, and everything hurts. I didn't do anything yesterday. We did a family photo shoot with the baby. That's it. I'm really starting to worry about my ability to wake up for work starting next week. Which is actually brings me to why I gathered you all here today. Um, I don't think I'm going back to work, ever. <laughs> so... If we look at the numbers from, you know, yesterday, the day before, basically all the regular season, if I could just get everybody on board here, literally $1 a month from all of you, and I can have the conversation with my wife that I don't have to go to work anymore. $1. Just please think it over. A dollar a month. I can't even think one thing you'd have to sacrifice that would, you know, I mean, if you drive past McDonald's, just like once a month, be like, nah, I'm going to skip McDonald's today. You're basically paid up for the year. Because if you're like me, you spend at least $12 at McDonald's. I'm just saying. Think it over, all right? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can jump in for as little as a dollar a month. You can do more to help compensate for those that are just not on board and, uh, you know, hate me and whatnot, which is fine. Speaking of, by the way, big shout out to Troy, who hit me up on uh, Venmo. Really, really appreciate the, uh, the support. And also David. I mentioned David the other day that he won... Some pretty big money betting on the Packers, and um, he was generous enough, apparently, to kick a little of that my way. So, as I mentioned, David has been a big supporter of mine for a very long time, and I'm just happy to have people that are so invested. In fact, <laughs> I had uh, Cece hit me up on Instagram and basically just share some videos of her and somebody else hanging out on the couch watching basketball, listening to the Packernet podcast, and she's like, yeah, this is how we spend our afternoons. It's like, <laughs> you guys are crazy, man. All of you are nuts. What are you doing here? Glutton for punishment. Um, why don't we just start with the wide receiver thing and before we take a break so we at least do some kind of content here. The answer is the answer's no. No thank you. Now, I, I did get one um, message on Twitter that was essentially, would you be willing, let's just say you could do a straight-up trade, let's say Devin Funches for Allen Robinson, would you do it? Now, let's leave aside the... Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears will never do a trade because Chicago would never give the Green Bay Packers Allen Robinson. In a million years, that's just not going to happen. Leave that aside. Um, the next question would be, well, why would the Bears give up more for less? It's it's not really a matter of that. It's a matter of they don't want to pay Allen Robinson and they have to give something up. Otherwise, I mean, we, we've seen teams cut guys, right? Well, why would you cut a guy? You're obviously losing more value than you're gaining. Well, that's because that's not exactly how that works. Allen Robinson wants money, and they're not willing to pay him that amount of money. So if they get to the point where they realize they need to move him, trading for a wide receiver like Devin Funches might not be the worst thing in the world because you're essentially trading a $13 million contract for, what is it, a $2 million contract? There's your value. And you're you're downgrading at wide receiver, but you're also saving a bunch of money. So again, I'm not saying that that would work or that's exactly the right value or whatever, but let's just say hypothetically, would you do that? The answer, unfortunately, is still no, because we would not only need 13 million this year, we would need to come up with 18, 19, 20 million, whatever it is he's looking for. Remember, we're paying Devontae like 17 right now, and he's going to be looking for a pretty big contract starting probably next year. So 
there's no way we can give Allen Robinson a contract um, and then afford to pay Devontae. I mean, we, we, we're struggling as it is. So we, we just don't have money. And as I also said on Twitter, you know, if we're going to spend, it's going to be somewhere else. It's going to be a situation where Kenny Clark is out for a while and we really need somebody in there because we don't trust, you know, Lancaster and Kiki to really hold it down for us, which is a fair assessment, especially with Christian Kirksey at linebacker, who doesn't seem to be much of an upgrade so far. I mean, we'll see, but I, you know, didn't seem to make a difference from what I could tell. We would need to go out and get somebody like, but, but, you know, again, that's where you go out and get somebody like Snacks and you're not handing out $13 million for one year and then looking for an extension. You're getting Snacks. You know, Detroit paid him, what was it, one year, 11.258.5 guaranteed, which is a lot. He's 31 years old. He's getting less than 10. There's, there's no, and, and maybe that's part of the problem of why he can't find a team. His teams are looking at him like, I'll, I'll give you like seven. And he's like, no, nah, I would rather have like 10 or 11 or 12 because I'm still really good. And they're like, well, you went to Detroit. You weren't that good. Now you're even older. You've been out of the league for a while. I mean, you know, how about... How does six sound? But that's that's where and 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 listen, not to get too far off of the the whole thing, but I think this is what happened with Yannick. It is it, it, again, I, I'm beating a dead horse here, but this is the same situation. Yannick's looking at it like, no, dude, I want like 18. They're like, you're not worth that. There's no way you're worth that. Um, and I think even what he did end up getting the 12 million, I don't think a lot of teams wanted it, but I think it was a Vikings desperation thing when they realized Hunter's not coming back. They knew they were done. I mean, they're, they're still in a lot of trouble, but it's like we can't play football with this team that we have. We're, we're doomed. So they had to do what they didn't really want to do, which is to go out and get Yannick. Um, again, not that he's bad, but I think that even this is, is a slight overpay. They didn't really want to give that much money to a guy uh, like Yannick. It's just not in their plans. They're a better team for it, but that's not really the question. It's not a prudent move, but they had to do something that they didn't really want to do because they felt they had to have at least somebody that has at least a half of, of, of a chance at getting at the quarterback or we're doomed. And as you can see, they're, they're doomed anyways. But, you know, once they get Yannick and Hunter back on the field together, it'll, you know, balance out a little bit. But still, I think that's kind of the point, and that's sort of where the Packers are at, where unless it's desperation time and we just feel like we can't win without them, which I don't, I don't even think that's wide receiver. I mean, even if it's Devontae goes down. We had Devontae go down last year. We didn't go out and get anybody, and we won four in a row. Tight end isn't going to be a thing. Running back's not going to be a thing. Quarterback, we're doomed either way. So, I mean, there's no point in doing anything. We'll just put Boyle out there and best of luck to you. There's no quarterback that's going to come in and fill in Aaron Rodgers' shoes. Um, Edge, I don't think so. As expensive as they are, I mean, who's going to come in that's going to be better than Preston and Rashawn if Sidarius goes down? Not saying it's a good situation, but I don't think that's it. I think linebacker, defensive tackle, that might be it. I mean, maybe safety because Raven Green's also hurt, so we're getting kind of thin. Corner, we've got Josh Jackson. I think it really just comes down to if Kenny Clark is out for an extended period of time, maybe we look at a defensive tackle, but he's not going to be an expensive one. It's probably not even going to be Snacks. It's going to be somebody that's lower cost and everyone's going to be mad about it because Snacks wants too much money. And the Packers are just, they're too prudent. And I don't mean too in terms of, in a bad way. I mean it in a good way. They're they're too prudent to make bad decisions. Not to say they won't they won't make decisions that are slightly outside of what they'd like to do, but if it's just wildly out of our capability and it's going to hurt us down the line, we're just not going to make that decision. So no, I don't I, and again, if we're going to do something it's going to be smaller name guys. It's not going to be OBJ, it's not going to be Allen Robinson. And and as far as OBJ, 
I mean, there's so much risk involved in that. He he has not been, and th- this is a situation where you got OBJ, and everybody assumes it's the same OBJ that you know was with the Giants where he was dominant. Except he hasn't been that since he's been with Cleveland, and you can't really play the whole well. It's because he has Baker game because Baker hasn't been all that much worse. In his rookie season, he was fine. OBJ wasn't doing anything. In fact, in his last four years, he had one year where he graded out as elite. That was in 2018, 2017. He wasn't all that high either. He was injured part of that year, but maybe that's maybe that's been hampering. Him. And so far this year, I mean, he, he, he it's just one week and everybody has bad days. But and you got to understand, PFF is not going to grade a wide receiver poorly because of a bad throw by Baker. You get graded based on what you do. He got a 46.6 overall grade. Could you imagine? And I'm sure he'll bounce back to some degree. He's a talented guy. He's 28 years old, but he's a talented guy. And although 28 isn't 24, he shouldn't be terrible. But still, can you imagine if we sold the farm, basically gave away our future? We're putting, putting basically, we can't sign David Bakhtiari any, anymore because we got Odell, and he comes out and does this? One of the worst graded wide receivers in the, in the National Football League in week one? Could you imagine if he did that? I, I would be livid. I'm just not interested. I understand that in 2016, he was an elite wide receiver for the Giants. I understand that. I don't care. We don't need him. We're fine. Let's try to find something on defense that's going to help us stop the run. Because if they can't run, and we can tee off against... I mean, how good is this defense when it's third and long? It's, it's, it's just... As a fan, I used to... That used to be my worst nightmare. Right? I would rather third and two than third and ten. Because 3rd and 10 was a guaranteed first down. And I'm not saying they weren't able to convert a couple of those. But with these pass rushers, I love 3rd and long more than anything. It's really just a matter of don't let them gain the 4 or 5 yards on 1st and 2nd down so that it ends up being 3rd and short. But if we can stop the run, then we're basically forcing them to pass, which is exactly what we want. We want to force them into passing situations. Because once Mike Pettin and this defense knows you're throwing, you're in trouble. And if it comes down to either you throw or you're going to gain no yards running. I mean, it's just it's a perfect situation, but we got to figure it out because right now we people run the ball and it's just easy. You say, well, they had Dalvin Cook. Okay, and the worst offensive line in football. It's a little bit of hyperbole, but it's bad. It's a bad offensive line. We should not have been getting wrecked by them. So, again, maybe look in that direction. Hopefully the fact that we haven't heard any big announcements that we're signing this defensive tackle is a sign that Kenny Clark will be back soon. At least that's what I'm going to tell myself. We should find out sometime today when the injury reports come out. We'll see how it goes. I don't know how, I don't know how deceptive they're allowed to be. Like if it's, if he's, if if we know he's out, can we just say like questionable or just wondering for my own sake, because I know they like to be sort of deceptive. But I want to know how much I can trust what I'm seeing. If it says questionable, can I trust that he's going to be playing? Or is this just we're playing games to try to get inside the head of the Detroit Lions? I feel like there's certain rules in place. I don't know. It's probably one of those things where, you know, you can do it, but if it turns out the guy has a high ankle sprain and you know he's going to be out for five weeks and you put him as questionable, you're getting a massive fine. That's my guess. I don't know. You hear that, Blaine? Sorry, he was complaining about noises he could hear in the background, like my ring touching my <laughs> my cup. <laughs> That's what you get for wearing good headphones, man. You should be listening in your car with a whole lot of background noise. You don't have to hear all my background noise. It's a trade-off. Anyways, why don't we take a break, and we'll take a look at some of the other games and some of the other narratives and possibly some grades and whatnot uh, for some of these other teams and games and all that good, glorious stuff. Well, the NFL season has returned, and that means action-packed Sundays and big-time cash. Make sure you're getting in on the action with promo code OVERTIME so that you can double your first deposit. 
Because when you go to mybookie.ag and you drop down that first deposit, mybookie is going to double that deposit all the way up to $1,000. So very simply, put in 1000 bucks, they're going to give you another $1,000 to play with. And using the simple math of what I learned from David, you could have turned $2,000 into $16,000 had you taken that money and spent it on uh, the Packers winning that game. But hey, you live and learn, right? Make sure you're betting with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code OVERTIME and double your first deposit. But it gets better because this network, Overtime, is going to give out $500 to one lucky person. All you have to do to take advantage of this offer is when you go to mybookie.ag, take a screen grab of your MyBookie account, email it to overtime at advertisecast.com. That's overtime at advertisecast.com. At the end of September, one of these people is going to be getting $500 cash. Please make sure you get involved in this. There's just, there's so many reasons to do this. And you don't have to put $1,000, you can put $10, it doesn't matter. You put in 20 bucks, my bookie's going to give you another 20 and then you got a chance to win 500 Why in the world would you not do this? Just saying. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, I'm done Twitter fighting now. So I already talked a bit about the uh, Kansas City Chiefs-Houston Texans game. Um, We do play the Houston Texans, not the Chiefs, unless we're in the Super Bowl, obviously, which I'm not sure wouldn't be against the Ravens anyways, but that's a separate conversation. Again, I I tend to think that the Texans are going to have a little bit of a bounce back. I don't think losing by 14 points to the reigning Super Bowl champions, one of the best teams in football, if not the best, in week one, in which you didn't have any training camp, in which you are the team that changed much more than the Chiefs did. In other words, the Chiefs just keep doing what they've been doing, didn't have to change very much. The Texans lost their number one wide receiver, brought in a new running back, three new wide receivers, trying to spread the ball around. They need more time than the, than the Chiefs do. 
So I'm a little bit more optimistic, but the, the general consensus is that this was not a very good performance. I think one of the benefits is not only did Laramie Tunsil's pick up right where he left off and had a really good game, but Zach Fulton, their right guard, had a really good game. Uh, David Johnson, the new running back, had a good game. Will Fuller, I said three new wide receivers. It's not three new, but it's it's a new it's a new thing, right? There's new three guys here. Anyways, uh, Will Fuller was solid. Kenny Stills and Randall Cobb were not, but again, let's give it a little bit of time. I mean, overall, just grade-wise, the offense wasn't that bad. Not top tier. But also, Deshaun Watson was good, not great, and I expect that to also improve. So, you know, it is what it is. The, the biggest thing, I think, is the fact that the defense was terrible, and I don't know that I genuinely expect that to change all that much. I mean, it won't be this bad because they're not going up against the Chiefs every week, although the Packers continue doing what they did to the Minnesota Vikings. It might be about this bad. But they've got some genuine concerns here. J.J. Uh, Watt, I'm sure, will have better days. Justin Reed is a good safety, but outside of that, they just don't have very much. So it'll be it'll be worth looking at. Um, I do think the Texans are a worse team without their number one wide receiver. Maybe if they can figure it out and become a more well-rounded team, they can kind of become a more dangerous team because you, it's it's harder to scheme against them. Although they don't really have anybody that they can force feed the ball to in a pinch, like Aaron Rodgers and Devontae right now. If it's third and five, everybody on the planet knows that Aaron Rodgers is looking at Devontae, including the two guys that are probably guarding Devontae. They probably know he's going to run an out route. He's going to run an out route. He's going to be open. The ball's going to be there. They're going to get a first down because it's just it's just completely unstoppable. And when you don't have that, that high level of reliability, which again, it, it has its benefits to be able to do multiple different things and attack in different ways. But when you need that guy that you can 100%, 1000% count on, 100 is probably sufficient, but Want to be a little bit more dramatic. I'm, I'm working on being more dramatic in my life. Not enough drama. Um, I just don't know that they have that guy right now. So, so far, feeling fairly good about the Houston Texans. Kansas City Chiefs clearly seem to be the Kansas City Chiefs still. Seattle and Atlanta, for the first time in a long time, we're not playing Seattle. We may see them in the playoffs again, but I feel like we've played them every year for about five years now. Uh, we are facing the Atlanta Falcons, however, in week four. So we've got Detroit, then the Saints, then the Falcons. Um, Seattle, I don't think there's all that much to report. I know there's a lot of hype. Russell Wilson won NFC Player of the North or some stupid nonsense offensive player of the week. I'm not sure. He won something that Rodgers should have won, and I'm upset about it. But it, it's basically the team that I expected. It's Russell Wilson with a couple decent wide receivers, and then you got Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams that are dominant defensive players, and then a bunch of just kind of meh guys. The only thing that's somewhat surprising is that Jordan Brooks wasn't pure garbage as a linebacker. We'll see how that goes as the season goes on. How hilarious would that be? I don't know if I said it on the podcast. I've got too many things going on. I said it to somebody somewhere. But as per usual, all the linebackers, it was on the podcast. They're they're all trash. First round linebackers always, always, always suck. And the only one that didn't suck, apparently so far, not that he was great, but it's the guy that I thought was like a fifth round linebacker that the Seahawks took in the first round which is just classic that they massively reach on a first round prospect but anyways yeah Isaiah Simmons Patrick Queen they were horrible as far as Atlanta it's actually kind of surprising a lot of people expected Atlanta to win this game I don't know when all of a sudden this became a good team from my recollection they've been trash for two years straight now but suddenly it's well you know they went out and got a running back or something I don't know what the deal is uh Deion Jones very very good linebacker he played really well the big question is about offense, and they had some really big people step up to to the point where I don't think this is necessarily sustainable. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley, especially Calvin Ridley, completely went off in this game. 
Everybody else was mediocre at best, with the exception of left tackle Jake Matthews, who's pretty good. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But long story short, if the uh, the reason Atlanta's going to be really, really good and beat the Packers is because Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley, who they've had since forever, I, I don't know that I'm all that super concerned. Bottom line, both of these teams are the same, but Seattle added a really good safety, so they're going to be better this year. Cleveland and Baltimore, the only real takeaways that I got is that Cleveland seems to continue to be um, not good. David Njoku had a phenomenal game. Wyatt Teller, the right guard, who's been there a year or two. A couple decent offensive line. Basically, the entire offensive line actually played pretty well. A couple tight ends played well. Otherwise, not good, including Baker Mayfield looked terrible. Odell Beckham was the second low. He's basically the lowest graded player on the entire team. The things that made you got your offensive line and your tight ends ready to go, and your top-tier wide receivers and your quarterback are like, nah, taking the day off. I mean, Jarvis was fine, but... That's brutal, man. They got every, they they have everything, but it's just it's Cleveland. It's same as what we say every year about Detroit. It's just you know everything's there, but it's not going to work. Defense has some pieces, but whatever. The only thing I can think about Baltimore, I don't know what to make of their defense. I know it's seen as one of the top defenses. Um, I don't know about that so much. We'll see how it all plays out, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. They shut out Cleveland, more or less, and I think. I don't know that Lamar Jackson isn't the best quarterback in football right now. That's 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 what I'll say. I mean, the, the he doesn't make the the highlight reel throws like Aaron Rodgers or Pat Mahomes, sort of the off the back foot, but he makes some accurate passes that are that have got a ton of zip. You couple that with his ability to run. I don't. I think he's more scary, especially when you consider he doesn't even have the weapons, right? I mean, take Tyreek Hill away from. Let's put it this way. Put Lamar in Kansas City and Mahomes in Baltimore. I think Baltimore gets worse and Kansas City gets better. And that's not because Mahomes is bad, but Baltimore losing the ability to run with this team that likes to run a lot, and he doesn't have any weapons over there outside of, like, one tight end, Mark Andrews. Oh, Hollywood Brown had a fantastic day, so we'll, we'll have to monitor that. I don't know, man. This Baltimore offense is horrifying, and if Hollywood Brown and and Mark Andrews stay at this level of play, which I don't know that I necessarily think will, because Willie Sneed had a fantastic day, and we'll, we know Willie Sneed is not very good, but, you know, whatever. Again, we'll have to monitor it, but right now I think I think Baltimore is, is, is my my top team right now. Jets and Buffalo, more or less, who cares? Um, Buffalo won, which I guess was expected. Here's my thought on the Jets. They've got a phenomenal, phenomenal opportunity to be a really good team starting next year. And it's not even that hard. They're so bad. I don't see any reason why they shouldn't get the number one overall pick. Sam Darnold was the lowest graded player on this entire offense, probably on the entire team. Sam Darnold is not a good football player. He's never been a good football player. He now has an offensive line that is that is decent. The best players on this entire team were Le'Veon Bell and his offensive line and Jamison Crowder. Everything you need to be a successful quarterback. You've got your slot receiver, Jamison Crowder, who graded well. You've got a right guard, left tackle, and left guard that all graded really well, and Le'Veon Bell graded out really well, and you can't do your job. That's ridiculous. So fine, tank the rest of the season, which basically just means keep playing like trash like you have been. Get that number one overall pick. Get uh, Trevor Lawrence. Dump your terrible coach. Bring in a guy like Biennemi or whoever. I don't really care. But if you want a more modern type offense like the Chiefs run, Biennemi obviously knows how to do that. So you bring him in with a guy like Lawrence, who obviously is somewhat similar to Pat Mahomes with the mobility. Six foot six, two twenty, whatever he is, freak. 
Then you dump Le'Veon Bell, because not because he's a bad player, but because you want that money. Then you go out, so now you've got an offensive line, you've got some wide receivers, you've got a quarterback. Go out and pay for uh, for an edge rusher, a corner, something like that. You're, you're off and running, man. Doesn't mean you're the best team in football, but hey, you got a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round pick also. You can go out and get some talent on top of hopefully a bunch of money, because I don't know who in the world you'd be paying. You just got rid of your star safety. You get rid of Le'Veon Bell. You're not paying a quarterback. You should have tons of money. Even when at a time when nobody has money, you should have tons of money. Go out and buy all the talent. Next year, 2021, Jets Super Bowl. There you go. Done deal. Raiders-Panthers was a lot of fun. Uh, it was especially fun because fan-to-fan network had sort of this, like, you know, each team representative would go at each other. And the if you haven't seen it, go watch that video of the preview. Uh, for week one and watch when the Raiders and the Carolina Panthers guys go at it. They're literally screaming at each other. It was it was very entertaining and fun to watch. And it carried over into this game. Now, do I think either of these teams are going to be any good at anything? No, I don't. Um, when your best player on offense is Robbie Anderson, nothing against Robbie Anderson, but he, he basically is playing exactly like he did in the Jets, which is he's his grade was a 76. That's what he is. He's good, not great. You know, I mean, so you got a decent wide receiver. You got a really good running back who obviously will play better as the year goes on um and teddy bridgewater again when your quarterback is one of the lowest graded guys on your team it's not a good sign raiders i feel a lot more hope for uh, i just again i think carolina is similar to the raiders just earlier they're at the they're at the point where they need to start tearing down and then rebuilding las vegas tore down what two three years ago so they're on the upswing um obviously richie incognito played well because he's a freak Offensive line in general was fantastic. Josh Jacobs is good. Derek Carr did what he does, which is to be good, not great. And some very encouraging things. Cleland Furl was actually the highest graded guy. Not that he graded out really well. Nobody did on their defense because their defense is kind of trash. But that's a great sign for them. Didn't have any pressures or anything, but, you know, baby steps. So I'm not feeling super threatened by any of these teams. But that brings us to Chicago and Detroit. Bottom line, this was um, Chicago needed to win this game. They needed to win this game because they are the worst of the two teams. If Detroit had Jeff Okuda and their number one wide receiver, Detroit absolutely steamrolls Chicago, and it's not even close. The fact that, I mean, this is basically the Packers without Jair and without uh, Devontae. That's that's pretty close to what we're talking about here. Also, we'd have to get rid of you know Aaron Jones because they don't have a running back, but that's a separate discussion. The Lions had this thing in the bag. Trubisky, to his credit, launched a... Solid comeback in the fourth quarter. Looked more like his wide receivers than him. Those balls were a little bit off target, but, you know, maybe I'm just being biased, whatever. But to his credit, to their credit, the the defense tightened up at the end of the... uh, Actually, they didn't. They lost the game. It was just a stupid DeAndre Swift, the Lions running back, that dropped the ball. But again, this is the best case scenario. Because if it's true that the Lions are better than the Bears, you want the Bears to go up 1-0. You want the Lions, who, again, I think are better to go 0-1 to start the season and to have lost a divisional game. So if it comes down to a tie at some point, if the Lions really are somewhat of a threat, they've got this thing hanging over their heads. Um, Khalil Mack seems to be back in um, tip-top shape. Now, the only thing with that, they didn't have, not only do they not have Rick Wagner anymore, but Halapalovati Vaitai, their new right tackle, was also out. So he played left outside linebacker, which means he lined up across their nobody outside linebacker. He ended up with zero sacks, but did have six pressures in the game. That's a lot of pressure. But again, you expect that. Uh, Kyle Fuller had a good game, obviously, because I've been dogging the guy. Keem Hicks did have a sack in that game, didn't do much else outside of that. 
Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith were two of the lowest graded guys, which shouldn't be surprising because I've been, as I've been saying, they're not that good. Roquan, I don't think has had a good game ever because <laughs> he's a first round linebacker. Eddie Jackson, who Bears fans insist is an elite safety, didn't do jack. Um, the one guy that really did stand out, and the Bears have been waiting for this for a long time. Again, we got to see how it plays out. But Anthony Miller had a really, really, really good game. He actually had an elite wide receiver grade. Let me just check how high he ranked overall. So he was second to Adam Thielen in this game, or this week, I should say. Yes, Adam Thielen was the highest ranked guy of any wide receiver. Which we, it depends how you want to take that. Is that because our corners are that trash, or does that kind of give you an idea of what Jair was going up against? And maybe we cut the guy some slack. I don't know. Whatever. Doesn't matter. From the Lions' perspective, again, it's it's hard to judge. You know, week one is, is tough enough. Without, you know, week one of COVID season is making it even harder. But then you, again, take away the number one wide receiver and you got a new running back and all this stuff, and it, it kind of gets tricky. But bottom line, the offense did not perform all that well. Danny Amendola had a good game. Defensively, not surprisingly, you had Trey Flowers really step up in a big way. He not only had a sack, he had four total pressures. To put that in context, Darius and and, um, and Gary both had three, and they did not have terrible days. But uh, as expected, not a whole lot outside of that. Interesting little tidbit here. Um, as far as their corners are concerned, which is a big question for the upcoming game, Desmond Trufant was their new addition. He got absolutely wrecked. Desmond Trufant is... Uh, basically, we're going to be going up against Desmond Trufant. So there, there are three corners that, as far as what it's supposed to be, is Desmond Trufant... And then Jeff Okuda, who is their first-round pick, I'm assuming he would be in there. And then Justin Coleman. Well, Jeff Okuda was hurt, and if he plays, this will be his first start, which is not always great. Uh, Desmond Trufant graded out terribly. Justin Coleman had a great game, but he is now on IR. That's what we're dealing with right now. So as I'm looking at this game coming up, and and we'll do obviously a much more in-depth thing, maybe starting tomorrow, we'll see how it goes. Haven't really planned it all out yet. But as it stands, I mean, Trey Flowers is the only guy on their defense that I'm kind of worried about. And as much as we talk about, well, the, the Vikings' defense wasn't any good, well, they do have probably the best safety duo in football, and that didn't really help them all that much. They do have Kendricks, who didn't seem to, I mean, he did help them to some degree, but it didn't slow down the Packers. And they do have Yannick, who is not an elite player like everyone says, but he's a good pass rusher. Going up against our ridiculously, you know, musical chairs offensive line, I don't know that I would say that this is a better defense right now. So, and I've said it before, it's too too early to tell. But as of right now, there's one team in the NFC North that stands alone, and it's the Green Bay Packers. I don't think the Vikings, the Bears, or the Lions look particularly impressive. The Packers clearly did. Um, Indianapolis and Jacksonville is one of the most intriguing games that I saw. Because Indy lost, and I still don't know why. For whatever reason, um, the Jacksonville Jaguars offense was able to move against the Indy defense. Nobody really was that bad, especially if you look at Indy's offense. Everything that I was worried about in terms of their their offense played fairly well. I mean, nobody was was elite, and maybe these are the things that are going to get better. Quentin Nelson was the highest-graded offensive player, not surprisingly, followed by right guard Mike Lewinsky, followed by Phillip Rivers, who everybody's trashing and saying he's the reason they lost. I don't think so. Followed by Marlon Mack, who is their running back. Now, he's I believe he's hurt now, but everyone's really worried about uh, Jonathan Taylor. We'll see how that goes. The, the one surprising thing is he tore everybody up in the receiving game, which is the one thing he was not supposed to be able to do. As a runner, he didn't grade out well at all. I don't know what he did. I guess I can look. 2.4 yards per attempt. That's why Jonathan Taylor didn't grade out very well. 
So th- somehow, this guy who can't catch footballs but is one of the best running backs in all of college football, one of the greatest badger backs in history, tore everybody up through the air but got 2.4 yards per carry on the ground behind one of the best run-blocking offensive lines in football. That makes sense. This is this is the world we live in. Either way, I, I don't know why Indy lost, and this is going to have to be... I mean, maybe a mix of the Jaguars are better than we thought, which, as I said, the Jaguars have been the number one pick overall. I've been saying in just about every one of my mock drafts where they have the Jaguars the number one pick, I don't think they're going to be the number one pick. I see no reason why they would be number one over Washington, who, yes, I know they won. Still, I think the Jaguars have a better team. Over the Giants, over, I don't know, the Jets. No chance in the world I see the the Jaguars picking before the Jets. So I don't understand where the hate came from, but it is what it is. Even now, I'm, I'm working on a mock draft right now. And the Jaguars dropped from the first overall pick to the second overall pick. Vegas just hates the Jaguars, and I don't know why. But anyways, the, the, the reason this is so interesting is we play the Colts, and I'm terrified. That offensive line with, with Jonathan Taylor as a running back, that just spells disaster, especially if they can get the passing game going. They've got T.Y. Hilton and, and Phillip Rivers, so they can potentially throw the ball. Jack Doyle at tight end is moderately capable. And I think they've got a good defense. But, again, if this is any indication of what's to come, this may not be as difficult of a game as I was expecting. So this is a wait and see. I'm putting a big old asterisk next to this one, and I'll be watching the Colts pretty closely. In fact, I probably should go back and watch that game just to get a better idea of what exactly went wrong. Because that's stag. I thought I saw somebody say they punted once or they didn't punt at all. Let's check. Yeah, zero punts. Their punter did kick off a couple times, but they didn't punt. It threw me off. I saw a punter, and then I saw 70 and a half yards per attempt. I was like, what in the world? But yeah, no punts, and they lost the game. That's that's staggering. We just we just heard Aaron Rodgers say, well, you know when you punt once in a game, it's going to be a good game. They punted zero times and lost. Anyways, that's definitely something to monitor as the Colts. If, if they are uh, massively underachieving expectations, then uh, we might be in for another W that I that I was worried about. Miami, New England, I think there's a whole lot of smoke going on here. There's a ton of people that are real high on New England, and Cam is going to be this elite player and all this stuff. I just, I don't buy it at all. I think people are overhyped on Miami as part of the problem. People thought Miami was going to win. New England kind of steamrolled Miami like they're nothing. It was 21 to 11. And I think it's because Miami sucks. And I think they've always sucked. And I don't think they got any better because they added like two Patriot players. I don't think that makes them better. They drafted Tua. They didn't play him. They don't have an offensive line. They don't have, I mean, they have one good wide receiver. Their defense, I think, is trash. And, you know, from from the Patriots' standpoint, you know, we'll see what happens with Cam Newton, but I promise you they can't keep doing what they did. What did I say in in yesterday's episode? They ran 70% of the time. That is 100,000% wildly unsustainable. If your only move, if your only play is to run Cam, the only thing that's going to happen is teams are going to figure you out starting week two which, let's see, going up against Seattle, so best of luck with uh, Jamal. That dude's that dude's sole job in this game is going to be to headhunt Cam. They're strong safety. I mean, he's playing back, but if he sees Cam run, he's coming in like a heat-seeking missile. He's going to blow your dude up. So the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to get figured out, and you're going to get your quarterback put on IR by midseason. You can't run 70% of the time. And granted, some of these are running back runs, but Cam just... I mean, every highlight I saw was Cam running, which is cool. And and listen, I I heard from somebody else that that the real the real thing that's happening in in New England is, um, they they found a quarterback that's able to do these kinds of things. And what you're going to have is Bill Belichick drawing up game plans dependent on who's there. 
In other words, this was just the right game plan for this game, but they'll be able to do other stuff. But the problem is Cam hasn't proven that he can do those other things. So instead of running 70%, next week we're going to throw 70% because it's, you know, better whatever. Okay, well, Cam has to be able to do that. And as much love as Cam got, he didn't grade out all that well. In fact, he graded basically exactly what he has been since 2016, which is a mediocre quarterback. He was 15 of 19. I mean, what? how can we judge a quarterback on 15 completion? He threw for 155 yards and no touchdowns. I mean, we'll see what happens, but I'm not ready to crown the Patriots with anything. They have to prove that they have a quarterback that can that can throw for 300 yards in a game and three touchdowns when needed. And we're going to crown the Patriots as this great team because they beat up on one of the worst teams in football by throwing for 155 yards and no touchdowns? Nah. The guy ran for 75. He ran for 50% of the yards he threw for. So we'll see. I'm not going to put it past Bill Belichick to make to figure out how to make these pieces work. And obviously Cam is a much more versatile piece than Tom Brady ever was. So, I mean, if he can make that thing go, he can make anything. I mean, I mean, he's a master of bringing people in and just utilizing their talents for what they are. But the point is, the talent has to be there. We know Cam can run. And they designed a game plan, again, against a really bad team, one of the worst linebacking groups in football. And you got Cam running all this misdirection and just tearing people up on the ground. That's not going to work every week. Seattle doesn't have a great defensive line. So maybe they'll be able to have success there. Then they got the Raiders who have a bad defense. Then they have the Chiefs who don't have a good defense. Uh, I think the Broncos are going to rock their world. Maybe not overall in terms of, of the game, but it, again, in terms of let's just run the ball all the time. No, that's not going to work. I don't even know if that works against the Chiefs because they, they at least have a decent defensive line. 49ers never in a in any universe, as bad as they may be, that's not going to work. The Bills, that's not going to work. So they got to figure some because it it gets a lot harder down the stretch. And this, I mean, they're I think they lose to the Seahawks. I think they lose to the Chiefs. I think the Broncos might be tougher than people expect. I think they lose to the 49ers, even if they are getting worse. I think there's a good chance they lose to the Bills. I think they lose to the Ravens. I think there's a good chance they lose to the Texans, the Cardinals. I just, I'm not buying the Patriots at all. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe it's just bias because I despise the Patriots. I don't know. But uh, I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm hearing all the hype and how great cam was and and you know this is a brilliant move and and of course we should have got cam and all it's like dude cam didn't do anything the patriots didn't do anything they beat up on a garbage team by throwing for 150 yards chill out let's see what happens when they go up against the seahawks all right if they beat the seahawks we can talk uh philly and washington i mean the only real takeaway i i i still think washington is terrible I mean, absolutely terrible. Dwayne Haskins still graded out as one of the worst quarterbacks in football like he was last year. There's no growth from what I can tell with him. I mean, he was 17 of 31 for 178 yards and a touchdown. Um, I haven't necessarily heard anybody rally around Dwayne Haskins and say, see, I told you he's going to blow up, but if, if that's what you're doing, you need to stop it. I don't I'm, I don't know how they got to 27 points. Um, it was just, it, and I'm so confused. I, I really don't I don't know how it happened. All I all I can say is the Eagles are in trouble. And the Cowboys might be. I mean, this is it's basically the same thing we went through last year. Where it's like, oh, watch out for the Eagles and the Cowboys, and then the Eagles and the Cowboys were trash, and it's like, well, alright. <laughs> just one of these teams I guess has to go to the playoffs. I none of them deserve it. We'll see. Cowboys look like a mess. Eagles are a disaster. Washington may have won, but I still think they're trash. The the you know, the, the one guy that kind of took a step was the Giants quarterback, but that whole team just looks like a mess. Um, Chargers and Bengals, I, I don't expect much from either team. The fact that they both almost lost to each other, right, it was 16-13, to 13, 
The Bengals almost beat the Chargers. The Chargers barely beat the Bengals. I mean, I just think they're both terrible teams. Neither of them has an offensive line. Neither of them has a good quarterback, at least for now. We'll see what the Joe Burrow can muster, but it's so far, not good. They've got some defensive pieces, but neither of these teams are, are playoff teams. Tampa Bay and New Orleans is everybody's favorite game to talk about. From the perspective of all the podcasts and everything I've listened to, this sounded like a game in which there were two geriatrics playing quarterback and both of them were terrible. Um, I mean, PFF had Tom Brady as the highest graded player on this offense and actually one of the higher graded quarterback. I mean, top 15-ish, top 10 maybe. Drew Brees, on the other hand, which is the guy we're going up against in a couple weeks, he did grade out very poorly. And I heard a lot of people talking about how his balls just, he doesn't have any zip on his in his arm anymore. He kind of reminds people of that fall off year from Peyton Manning where you can just see like there's just nothing there. Um, I did watch a little bit of the game. I don't necessarily remember that sticking out in my mind, but if you've got Drew Brees completely falling off and they lose their number one wide receiver, this may not be as difficult of a game coming. I know they beat the Buccaneers pretty pretty easily, but I'm just saying, if, if this holds true, if we see Drew Brees play a, a, a bad game for the second week in a row, and it really just comes down to this defense kind of trying to hold it together, um, that's not a good sign. I mean, it's a great sign for us. But I, I stand by everything I've said about the Buccaneers. Um, they lost to the Saints while their quarterback was, was not playing well. They lost pretty handily. There's a lot of talk about their defense being real good. I don't know one person on this defense that's very good. Similar to last year, nobody graded out all that well. The highest grade was a 77, Antoine Winfield. Their corner, Sean Murphy Bunting. It's just, these guys just are not that good. I know a lot of people love Levante David. I'm not sure why. He's just another one of those guys that runs fast. I don't know. I mean, he, he, he's solid. He had a bad day. It happens. He is 30, though, so. <laughs> uh, Arizona and San Francisco is another one that's extremely intriguing because there's two competing narratives, and I don't know which one is true, but but they're both kind of getting a little bit of credence here. Um, one is that Arizona is going to be a lot better than people think or, or is just going to be really good. The other is that San Francisco is going to decline. The Arizona Cardinals beat the 49ers. Now, it could just be a fluke, could be a divisional thing. Cardinals might end up being trash, and the 49ers could win the Super Bowl. I don't know. Um, if I had to pick a side of that, though, I would be on the side of the 49ers are declining. If you listen to what a lot of people are saying, it's that Jimmy Garoppolo had a terrible game, and he did. He was the second lowest graded player on this entire offense. People were saying his decisions were horrible. He was just, you know, the passes were off. In fact, on this entire offense, only two guys had grades above a 70, which is good. One is Jordan Reed, who's a 5,000-year-old tight end that's probably not going to make it to the end of the year. The other is left tackle Trent Williams. Everybody else was just kind of bad. And so the defense kind of held him in the game, but even at that, you've got uh, Nick Bosa, Dre Greenlaw, Javon Kinlaw, which is impressive, and Fred Warner. Everybody else, even there, kind of fell off. So the Cardinals, I feel like I'm still kind of out on them being this top-tier team. I think they did enough to beat a team while they were down, and we got to monitor the 49ers and see, is this for real? Are they really declining? Is Garoppolo really just not that great? Or are they going to bounce back and just be right back on top? And We'll see. They're probably going to be back, but I can hope. Dallas and the Rams is actually pretty similar to that. Um, it's kind of a question of, are the Rams still bad and Dallas still bad? Or are they both kind of good and just went at each other? Kind of got the vibe that the Rams are a little bit back, but Dallas, you know, it just it just kind of has a feel of missed potential because of bad coaching, which is a familiar thing not only for Dallas with their previous coach, but with Mike McCarthy and the Green Bay Packers. 
I mean, that's the one thing you're trying to fix, and you went out and got a guy that had the exact same problem somewhere else. There's a lot of potential. We need somebody to maximize it. And at the end of the day, again, looking at PFF grades, the only guys that stood out were Dak and Ezekiel Elliott. That's wasted potential. What about Amari? What about Gallup? What about CeeDee Lamb? You know, what, what, what's going on with this defense? What's going on with Leighton Vander Esch? He had such a great rookie season. Nobody's talked about him since. Everson Griffin from, from Minnesota was terrible. That defense had one sack in this game. I think, if anything, L.A. might be a little bit back. Obviously, Aaron Donald is a freak, but they've got some defensive components. Taylor Rapp had a good day. I really liked him coming out of college. He ran like the slowest 40 in human history, but is just about as sure of a tackler as they come. They ended up with 23 pressures in this game. Granted, 10 of them were from freakish Aaron Donald, but 23 pressures, 3 sacks from 3 different guys. Michael Brockers, Leonard Floyd, and Aaron Donald all had sacks in this game. And that's a pretty solid component considering the strength of the team outside of Aaron Donald is clearly the offense who had a great day. Andrew Whitworth. I mean, the offensive line is the biggest difference for the Rams. Their offensive line took a massive step back because like half the offensive line was injured and some guys just didn't have great games. But you got Andrew Whitworth and Austin Blythe and Austin Corbett. These are the three top guys. Jared Goff had a good game. Robert Woods had a good game. Havistein, the other right tackle, had a good game. That's what you need. You know you got the coach to make all this stuff work. So, I mean, it, it was close, which you would expect if the Rams were really good and the Cowboys are really trash, it wouldn't have been so close. We'll have to see how it, how it pans out. I'm not feeling good about Dallas. I mean, I am feeling good. I'm, I'm not feeling good about their chances of being a dominant team. Again, the potential is there, but it's about Mike McCarthy finding a way to make it work, and I just don't know that I trust him to be that guy. Can you take all this top-end potential and make it work? The guy couldn't make Aaron Rodgers work, you know? I mean, there was a time and place where he could, but again, when the offense or when the when the NFL shift didn't change, did he adapt to it? Did he know how to take that talent and change it in such a way that it worked in the modern NFL? No. It seems as though we found a guy that can, and he's a guy that runs a more modern style of offense. And granted, it's it's an old style of offense that's been modernized, but that's, I mean, Andy Reid did that. Andy Reid took sort of more of a Mike McCarthy offense and modernized it. That's what Mike McCarthy has to do, and I don't think he's doing it, so... I mean, Dallas is always one of those teams you worry about. Like, I hope they don't become good, kind of like Trubisky. Like, every year he's just hanging around like, man, I hope they don't become good this year, and then they just don't. Uh, Giants in Pittsburgh, I actually thought the offense for the Pittsburgh Steelers looked terrible. I know Ben had a pretty good game, especially toward the end. Chase Claypool, the rookie, just absolutely tore it up. Um, I don't necessarily expect that to continue. The Giants have one of the worst cornerback groups in all of football, so the fact that Big Ben, Juju, and Chase Claypool kind of tore it up doesn't mean much to me. Um, if everybody else doesn't quite step up and the, the Giants defense actually looked really good and they have a terrible defense for about the first half, the fact that they were able to get pressure on Big Ben, I think is problematic. So, I mean, the, the biggest difference for Pittsburgh is, is that the offense going to play up to the standard of the defense, which is a great defense. I mean, Bud Dupree and TJ Watt just teed off the whole game. And this is a revamped Giants offense. So we know that the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is talented. But based on what I saw from the offense, I really was not impressed. And the fact that it was 26-16 and basically a close game for the entire half of this game, I'm, I'm, I'm very far from impressed with Pittsburgh so far. And I, I had them as kind of a kind of like the Colts, a dark horse team to, to take a shot at a Super Bowl. Not a great shot, but a shot. Um, but if Big Ben and, and those guys don't step up in a better way, again, they grade it out fine, but there, there's no easier opponent right now at, at, at attacking cornerbacks than the Giants. We'll have to see how that goes further on. Because um, that, granted, I only watched about the first half of this game before I went to bed, so maybe I have a tainted view, but 
If you recall that first half, it was bad for Pittsburgh. They could not do anything offensively against literally one of the worst defenses in this entire league. Um, not surprisingly, just to stick it in our faces, while Christian Kirksey got ripped to shreds and couldn't do anything, Blake Martinez was the highest graded player on their defense, one of the highest graded linebackers, had an elite run defense grade, etc., etc. Something he hasn't done since Patton got here. You know, it, 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 kind of as I've said, Blake Martinez is a certain kind of linebacker. And I just don't think he works really well in the Mike Pettin system. He his his grade and everything else fell off when Mike Pettin got there. He was a much better linebacker when it was Dom Caper. So perhaps this kind of defense, he's going to be a much better linebacker. So it's entirely possible. But overall, it's still a really bad defense. You got a couple of defensive tackles and linebackers that played well. The only other really interesting thing is that Daniel Jones again was the highest graded offensive player. Actually graded out quite well. If he can get a little bit of help. Um, they actually, again, they revamped this offensive line. If they can step up and actually play like they're not terrible, there's something here. I mean, if they can do this against the Steelers' defense, I don't know. We'll see. And then there was all the talk about the final game, the Denver Broncos and the Tennessee Titans. Of course, I didn't watch it because it was extremely late. I didn't make it through the entire second half of the first game. But all I saw was, if you don't believe in Drew Locke yet, what is wrong with you? The guy's da 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 He was terrible. I'm guessing all these tweets and everything were based on, like, one throw. But um, 22 of 33, 216 yards and a touchdown, 50.1 overall grade. The worst quarterbacks this week, Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz, Drew Locke, Drew Haskins, Jimmy Garoppolo. Those are the five worst this week via PFF. So I'm not sure exactly where all this, you know, if you don't believe in Drew Locke. But, and what I've said in the past is if, if, the, if the Broncos don't make the playoffs, Drew Locke needs to go. They lost to the Titans, who scored 16 points. Because again... The Denver Broncos defense, even without Von Miller, is a really good defense. But they couldn't score enough points to get over the hump because Drew Locke is kind of garbage. I don't need to watch the game start to finish to be able to, to connect the dots on this one. It's pretty straightforward. And and again, you know, I, maybe it would be worth a while to go watch it or whatever because there's a lot of highlights about Jerry Judy and, and what he did. He didn't grade out all that well either. Nine targets, four receptions, uh, 56 yards. They said he had two drops in this game which would be a big part of the reason why he didn't grade out all that well. Two drops and a fumble? Is that right? See, this is why Twitter's stupid. <laughs> I'm looking at all the highlights, and everyone's saying Drew Locke is amazing, and Jerry Judy is one of the best ever, blah, blah, blah. It's all the hype from the draft and all this excitement, so when you see him make one good cut, everybody freaks out. But the guy had a bad day. The Broncos had a terrible day because their offense is trash, because they need a new quarterback. Oh, yeah, if you don't believe in Drew Locke, okay, whatever. Whatever. But in summary now, if we go through this, we got the Detroit Lions coming up. Of course, that's going to be a tough game, especially if they get their receiver. But I don't think it's 930. I don't think the injury reports are going to be out for a while. But, I mean, you got to feel relatively good about it. The, The biggest reservation I have is similar to the same reservation I had against Minnesota. And it's just that we don't exactly know everything's concrete, right? I I feel good because this really good offense is going up against the Detroit Lions who don't have a good defense. And our defense, although it has some issues, um, should be able to handle the Detroit Lions. The problem is I don't really know. I don't know what's real and what's not. I don't know who's going to have a good game and who's not. So it's, it's more or less the unknowns that I'm worried about. But again, on paper, this is a better team. But I am more I mean, I was prior to week one, I was more worried about week two than week one. I just feel like Detroit kind of has our number a little bit. Not in, not insofar as they actually win, but they have our number to the point where they're nowhere near good enough to be able to compete with the Packers, yet they basically almost beat us every single time we play them. Almost or do beat us. 
So yeah, I'm nervous. Um, looking at the Saints again, the only thing that I think is going to really save us is twofold. The Saints are regressing and the Packers are getting better. Because the Saints clearly last year were a better team than the Packers. Uh, we're going to need to see the offense step up. Um, they don't have Michael Thomas, which is a massive blow. And if, if they don't have Michael Thomas and Drew Brees really is regressing, that's going to help our offense or our defense quite a bit. And, and, and our offense, if it's humming the way it was against Minnesota, if this legitimately is one of the best offenses in football, then we don't have to worry about the Saints defense, despite the fact that it's really talented. Because really talented defenses get beat all the time. And, uh, you know, top 10 defense is going up against the number one offense. It's kind of Again, I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm just saying if it's if that's anywhere near reality, then we got a real good shot. And then the Atlanta Falcons, again, I'm just not buying. That's a Monday night game um, prior to our bye, which is nice because it's a Monday night game, which usually means a shortened schedule, but we have a bye. Um, that's probably one of the only good things about having an early bye. But I, I just, you know, again, we'll have to wait and see, but I don't see much from the Falcons. Um, I think this is a team that has more than enough talent but doesn't know how to put it together, similar to the 2018 Packers, similar to the current Dallas Cowboys possibly. There's a lot of talent, but they don't have anybody that knows what to do with it. Uh, coming out of that, we got the Buccaneers. I'm not scared of that. I'm actually looking quite forward to it. There's there's obviously some some fear factors there, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the opportunity for Aaron Rodgers to put this whole who's a better quarterback thing to rest because Tom Brady, um, nobody's really respecting the guy right now. And there's that whole, I mean, again, he graded out fine, but this is, this is an, an opportunity. It's, it's sort of like when a lion gets away from the pack, you know, or, or I guess like a hyena. You know how hyenas, when they group up, they can attack a lion? Well, this, this hyena got away from the pack, and now the lion's looking at the hyena like, all right, you don't have your boys with you right now. I'm going to shred your face off. Tom Brady doesn't have Bill Belichick. He doesn't have his offensive line. He doesn't have his system. He doesn't have all the, this elite defense. It's me and you. Best of luck. Uh, Texans, again, kind of a wait and see, but I do think the Packers are a better team. I don't think their defense is going to be able to do much. I know J.J. Watt's there, but big deal. Offensively, I mean, their offensive line is going to get wrecked. Uh, we have to worry about David Johnson a little bit, but it's it's really not much different than the Vikings. Bad offensive line trying to block for a talented running back. He's going to get to do some stuff, but I, you know, I, w- I would say it's similar to the Vikings game. Then we got the Vikings again. It's the same situation. Uh, they, they may have Daniil Hunter back by that point. That's the expectation right now, but we'll have to wait and see. Even so, I think we're the better team. 49ers, I mean, this is a point at which you just hope you don't get wrecked. Uh, we'll have to see what happens with the 49ers if they really are regressing. But if we don't fix this defensive line and the ability to stop the run, I think we just lose the game outright. Uh, Jaguars, better than a lot of people thought, but still not very good. Colts, same situation as the 49ers. If, if the Colts do get better and we're not fixing this offensive line or defensive line, we're, we're doomed. Um, if the Colts really aren't that good and we do fix our defensive line, then I think that's a walk in the park. The Bears, I think, are a joke. I'm just going to flat out say that. We'll, we'll see if they can take a step, but they barely beat a really bad Detroit Lions team that has none of their weapon. So I, I don't I don't respect the Bears at all. Eagles just got beat by Washington. If They, they have to prove something because right now this is one of the worst teams in football, and I don't know why they keep getting worse, but they do. Again, same as the Falcons. I don't know why it's happening, but it is. You got more than enough talent to win, but you can't figure it out. It's a problem. Could just be one of those things where it's you just got figured out. You know, you've got some things that you do really well, but you've got some limitations, and and some defensive coordinators out there were really smart and figured out how to attack those limitations, and you don't know how to overcome that. And maybe you can't. Maybe Carson Wentz just has some things that people have figured out, and Carson's not the guy that's going to be able to overcome that. I don't know. I'm just you know thinking out loud here. Detroit Lions again, then we got the Carolina Panthers, I think should be a relatively easy game. I mean, no games are guarantees, but 
I don't see much there again. They're they're in teardown mode. This is this is the opportunity for the the coaching staff to evaluate. Then next year they shred this roster, go out and get guys that fit their system and rebuild in that direction. Uh, Tennessee Titans are a scary team. We'll have to see what happens. It wasn't all that impressive against Denver, obviously, but um, again, really good rushing attack. So that's what we really need to worry about. And then the Chicago Bears again. So so I'm I'm definitely feeling much more optimistic about our roster than I was. Uh, previously, I was more scared of the Vikings. I was more scared of Detroit. I was more scared of the Saints. Um, I mean, kind of just down the line, everything is kind of working in our favor. Not not that I think we're we're going to go undefeated. There's some real uh, fear points here, and I think a lot of these teams have enough potential to win. I mean, we could lose to the Lions. We can lose to the Saints. It's possible we lose to the Falcons. We could lose to the Bucks and to the Texans and to the Vikings and the 49ers and the Colts and. I mean, they, we lost to the Eagles last year, and I guess the Bears. So, I mean, these teams are good enough to win. They're, it's not like we're going up against the Giants and Washington and just the worst of the worst that have no chance in Miami. These are these are talented teams, but these are teams that I just, you know, again, depending on where the Packers are at at that particular point in time, it's just not going to work in their favor for just about any of these teams. And if if week one is any indication, the Packers are probably better than every single one of these teams on this on the schedule, including the Saints. But again, week two will be a good indication of where everybody's at. It'll give us a little bit better idea. Obviously, some of these guys where it's just kind of week one jitters or whatever, they're going to get right back on track in week two. So we'll check back in with teams like the Saints and the Bucks and the Texans or whatever and, and the Vikings. But until that time, um, I mean, the Packers are just far and away. I mean, they're not up there with, with I would say, the Ravens and the Chiefs necessarily if, if the defense gets humming and the offense stays anywhere near what they did last week then yeah they are but um, they're clearly on that second tier you put them there with with you know seattle or uh i don't even know maybe pittsburgh new orleans etc etc so anyways i'm gonna leave it at that i know it wasn't entirely packers centric but again i, I do want to lay out the landscape and kind of see where we're at and and you know what are our odds to to move up um and i do like our odds i really do I mean, Super Bowl is going to be tough no matter what. Whether it's the Ravens or the Chiefs, it's it's a tough matchup. But we can work, we can cross that bridge when we come to it. We, we just finished Week One, and uh, I think things are looking up. I I know things are looking up. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is playing the best ball he's played since, and you know, in in a decade. Devontae is one of the best receivers we've ever seen, which is saying a ton. Again, he's he's up there with peak Rodgers to Nelson. So, anyways done talking you folks have yourselves a fantastic day again please consider patreon a buck a month if every single person does it today tomorrow i'm calling in my retirement (laughs) anyways i'll talk to you later bye-bye